required to be checked, he checked. Everything they can know about him, he, he passed that test in spades. So he's the head coach there right now. What else do we know about him? He had a lot of offers before. See, you know my philosophy, if you've watched the show for a while, I always told you if, if Pate State University is a tier one program, it's always been my personal philosophy, I don't believe in hiring guys who have not been a head coach. Because if I'm at the top of the food chain, I don't have to do that. I, I can afford to be so selective that I only choose from guys who have proven they can do it. But if I made an exception, it would be a guy like Venables. He's not 33 years old. He's not a hotshot coordinator. He's in his 50s. He's 51 years old. So he's still young enough to have a 15-year run in him if he's the right guy and it pans out. But he also has so much experience. He's been in eight national title games. He's won three of them. He's turned down many offers, so he could have left Clemson a long time ago. Why is that important to me? Well, it's important because if, if I'm running things at Oklahoma, obviously I'm not the only one who saw head coaching potential in him. A lot of other programs have, but also he was so selective, he didn't take any of them. He took mine. What does that tell me about Oklahoma? What does that tell me about my job? It tells me it was desirable. He's not a mercenary. He's not coming through here on a stepping stone up to the next level and to eventually get where he wants to go. This is where he wants to go. Who was that? Josh Pate, 24-7 Sports. You should know by now, uh, we play a lot of his clips on the show. Yeah. They all sound different to me. Hmm. But Same voice. that's a me problem, I guess. Uh, Can I correct something well you said going into the hour? Yeah. You, you said we'll have Brent Vittables on at some point this hour. I told you right before that he's going to be on at 520. Brent Vittables at 520 coming up in uh, about 14 minutes. We'll, we'll uh, have uh, Coach Coach hey, on. I wanted people hanging by a thread, Tyler. Come on. Yeah, or you weren't paying attention, one or the other. I was paying attention. You want me to tell you exactly what the message said? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Why did you say at some point this next hour? I'm like, you were on the text message too. How'd you not say 520? 520 is when he's coming on. Yeah. Well, um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, plenty to uh, plenty to talk about for sure. But that that segment right there, that clip audio is it's not difficult. But it's, it's the same thing that you and I and, and many people have been saying since the beginning, even before he was hired. It's just it's amazing that there's so many people out there that, that, that refuse to, to give it a second of thought to, to get in line with that, that, that line of thinking that are just like, well, never been a head coach before. It's so weird to me. It's. Maybe I shouldn't be as frustrated by it as I am, but it's weird. Yeah. It's really weird. I mean, if it was a, you know, 33-year-old first-year head coach, then I, I think that there could be some worry there. Does he know how to be a disciplinarian? Does he know how to run a program? Does he know how to do these small detail things? But he's not in his early 30s or his mid-30s. I mean, he's been around college football for a while. He's been around Bill Snyder, Bob Stoops, Dabo Sweeney. He knows what the right way looks like. But another point that, that uh, Pate brought up that I thought was interesting is 
you know, Oklahoma is one of the best jobs in college football, but it's unique when it comes to recruiting in that there are really good players inside the state of Oklahoma, but I think we'd all agree that you can't put your entire class together with just Oklahoma kids. you got to go to Texas. you got to go to the southeast, west coast, whatever, but to, to build a championship class, you got to go to different areas of the country. OU is unique in that way. And I think you know to be a great coach at OU – I think you have to know OU and you know how to sell OU and, and believe what the program's trying to sell, right? So would Dan Lanning have been a nice hire here? I don't know, maybe. But he doesn't really know OU. Britt Venables is a guy that's been here for several years. Feels like he believes in what this program is trying to sell. There's just another reason why it was a great hire. you got to know how to sell this program, and he definitely does more than any other candidate that was out there. Heck, he probably does more than the, the previous head coach they had. Right. Yeah. No. I. I. Uh, I totally agree with all of that. It's. Um. It's interesting. But you know. It. It seems so simple, but. I. I guess maybe the Caleb Williams. Like to USC, has way more to do with it probably than, than Venables taking over as head coach. I think. I think so many people that didn't follow the program closely were probably enamored by some of the Caleb Williams highlight plays from last year, but you know didn't see the the shortcomings late in the season. Whenever you need a good solid quarterback play, now he was just a freshman. Totally understand that, but I, I think the feeling is probably that. It's losing the quarterback is more of a reason as to why they're picking the win totals and and you know perhaps they don't anyone can win the Big Twelve and in that type of stuff. I think it's probably has more to do with that than it does the Venables at head coach thing. Maybe, but it's it's odd, and I just like we talked about last hour. Marcus Freeman is allowed to be great next year because. You know, even though he's never been a head coach before, but Britt Venables isn't. I just don't think people realize that he's taking over a really good roster. Which rosters in college football right now would you say, without a doubt, slam dunk, will be better next year than OU's? Alabama certainly will. I think it's the best in the Ohio country. State. Ohio State. Georgia. Georgia. Is that it? Uh, there's no debate. There's no doubt this roster is better than OU's. Is there only three? Uh, Clemson? Clemson, no. you know, maybe have a slight edge or a little bit comparable, but but that's the point, man, is I think OU is going to be better coached top to bottom than they were a year ago, and there may be only three, four at most rosters that are better next year in college football. Yeah, I I have the expectation of a college football playoff uh, semifinal next year, and I don't think that I'm I don't think that I'm wrong or crazy for having that expectation next year. Right. Um, what about – you're going to get mad at this, but what about A&M's roster? Man, I, I just think that they're going to be so average at quarterback next year. If you took the quarterback out of the situation, maybe. But a, a lot of those guys that you're talking about talent-wise, it's it's unproven, you know? I mean, they – 
they got to have these freshman defensive linemen step up, step up and play to, at a big level. But I, I man, I, I don't expect anything big. For, I think Max Johnson might be their starting quarterback next year. If that ends up happening, A and M's going to really struggle on offense. Yeah, um, they're just in the in the very small group of teams which, over the past four recruiting cycles, have been higher than Oklahoma in every re- recruiting cycle. Um, Texas is also like kind of right there in that crew, but like that's that has never changed with like that Texas doesn't isn't even allowed to be in the conversation until they actually put together a legitimate season. So it's a very small handful uh, of teams out there. Yes, and you know they they've enjoyed some really good success over recent years, even even though there were, in my opinion. Some, some shortcomings, not necessarily with systems or schemes, but I think maybe with some of the culture stuff and, and, and like the way that they, they practiced and the way that they, well, the accountability, right, and carrying themselves like a, like a top team in the country. So I think some of those things are, are going to make a difference. Is it going to be like a huge difference in the team? Well, maybe so. Like physicality, run game, details, I think that stuff is is what you build your program on. And I think those things you can see immediate impact. I really do. By winning the line of scrimmage and being a calloused, tough, just a hard football team. So, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it's like we've said before, if last year's team were just was just able to run the ball better and tackle better, it was already a 10-win football team. What does that team last year look like uh, with this, just a, a team that can tackle and run the ball better? I expect that to be the case this year with better quarterback play. If last year's team won 10 games and didn't have that, I think the expectation should be even higher. And, look, you can only play who's on your schedule. It's not like OU has to play Alabama next year or Notre Dame and Clemson. OU's got to play Nebraska, Texas, Kansas State, Kansas, and West Virginia. Like, they're going to have a better roster than anyone that they play on the schedule next year. So I, I think to automatically just eliminate OU from even any sort of consideration from the college football playoff is really kind of silly based on what their schedule looks like next season. If they had the toughest schedule in the country, if they had a schedule that looked like Arkansas, okay, I'll entertain the thought that there could be some road bumps, especially early on. But they have a light schedule. I mean, I mean, there's some tricky games, there's some challenging games, but I don't foresee a team that is better or more talented than OU next season. Therefore, it's realistic for me to project them as a college football playoff team. I think it's really that simple. Yeah. Nope. I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, do you want to hit a timeout here? Yeah, so here's the situation. Mike Hout just, uh, just hit us back and said <laughs> that uh, Brent Venables is still in a meeting. Go ahead and try him here soon, but 535 might be better. So we might have Brent Venables so, coming up next, or we might have him at 535. So what you're saying is we'll have him at some point this hour? Uh, yes. I'm just glad that you actually listened this time around. (laughs) You comprehended the message this time around. I saw that. That's why I said before, sometime next hour, because we still were trying to iron down a time. We had a fallback time, so just Here's the most important question. 
we're going to have him on the air either at 520 or 535 for around, I don't know, 12 to 15 minutes. The over-under at questions asked is at two and a half. Text line, you got the over-under, 405-651-3439. You taking the over-under on questions asked? Mm, two and a half. You said two and a half? Uh-huh. I'll take the over. I'll take the over. Um, I I don't have a problem plowing in there and, uh, and firing a new question. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> have, have, <laughs> if anyone can, I guess it's you, so have, have at it. Well, um, all right, let's hit a quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Um, perhaps Coach Venable's next segment, maybe the one after that, but coming up shortly. Stay tuned. This hour of the rush is brought to you by Riverwind Casino. Casino. It is the rush live on the ref. We are the homeless sooner fans. Tyler McComas and Teddy Lehman. Keep the text coming on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Uh, no answer from uh, head coach Brent Venable. So, yes, Teddy, we will have him on at some point yeah. in the final hour of the, <laughs> of the show. Yes. Uh, hope, uh, we'll catch up with him at uh, 535 uh, coming up next segment. How about that? Text line says, hey, you guys remember our light schedule last year and teams that had losses being ranked ahead of us right is, is that a pushback and saying that OU is the the best team they're, they're going to be better than any other team on the schedule this year now hang on say that text message again you guys we, I, you guys remember? remember our light schedule last year and teams that had losses being ranked ahead of us right uh yes so they're talking about like making the making the playoff next year. Yeah, I mean, OU I, they were undefeated, but we were all sitting there wondering, like, oh my gosh, what's going on with this team? What, right. What, what, what's well, up? here's the thing, man. I I still believe in in last year. I don't think would have been an exception. I think if Oklahoma is a one loss Big Twelve champ. They have a greater than seventy-five percent chance of of making the playoff. Now, you can't you can't guarantee anything. You never know how it's going to play out. Some years, um, you know, there's going to be just because of the way the schedule breaks down and teams avoiding one another. You may have multiple teams up there with one loss or maybe no losses, and it can be difficult. But typically, one loss, Big Twelve champ. Oklahoma, not Oklahoma State, not Baylor, one loss Oklahoma is very, very high percentage chance of making the yeah. college football playoff. I think your path to who you're rooting for, who you're rooting against this year, at, at least in, in, the, in terms of how it looks right now, is pretty simple. I, I think Bama is – I think Bama's a shoe-in, man. So, mm-hmm. you know, Bama winning, whatever. Ohio State winning – Okay, I, I think who you really root against this year, you root for Oregon to lose to Georgia, you root for Notre Dame to beat USC, I think you root for Florida to beat Utah, just root for the Pac-12 to be out. 
Um, and I think you root against Georgia. Outside of the Oregon game, of course, I think you root against Georgia pretty hard to have two losses this year. I think uh, – here's what I'd say. I think you root for um, Oregon to beat Georgia. I think you root for Ohio State to beat Notre Dame. And I think you root for Clemson to beat Notre Dame. I think if you if you have a situation where Bama is out of the SEC and Georgia perhaps has um, two losses, and like what you would want for you to make the 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 playoff is you want Bama, Ohio State, Oklahoma. And Clemson. Yeah, sure. So, uh, Notre Dame, I think Notre Dame, even more so than the second SEC team, is the is the fly in the ointment for Oklahoma. Yeah, but I feel like that with the pack. I mean, we've seen it this offseason, man. I mean, everyone is just trying to revive the West Coast when it comes to college football. And I feel like if Oregon were to beat uh, Georgia – then, oh my gosh, people would anoint them uh, a college football playoff team. Though, well, they did they beat, beat Ohio, Ohio State, State last yeah. year, and and they ended up losing a couple games down the stretch, but I just feel like there there is going to be a pool for a second SEC team. I agree. There's definitely going to be a pool for Notre Dame. I agree with that. But maybe on the same level of those two, I feel like there's definitely going to be a pool for a West Coast team, especially if it's USC or Oregon. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Like, there'll be a pull for USC, but I don't think that's going to matter either. Yeah, they won't yeah. I think they're going to be good offensively, but I, I just I just don't think that they're going to be anywhere close to being a, a playoff caliber football team. Uh, I mean, I think they're the third best team in their conference at best. You uh, know? yeah, yeah. I think Oregon's better. I think Utah's better. There may be even a sleeper in the Pac-12 that we don't know about right now. Maybe UCLA ends up having a pretty good team next year, but third at best, I, I'm, I'm totally okay with that, which that would mean that at best they're not going to make the Pac-12 championship game because they're taking the two best teams regardless of right. division in the championship game next year. Yeah, I wonder how they um, I wonder how they declare that or if they just take who they want because USC <laughs> will make it down under yeah. those circumstances. Like, well, we think they're better, so they're in. Sorry, Utah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that I think Oklahoma's got a legitimate shot. But here's the thing, man. Before we ever even get to that, we've got to see some big-time improvement. Sure. Got to see some big-time improvement. I think it's coming. I think the, the work they put in the spring was – was really strong. I think, I think they took the team a long way mentality wise, and you know the football stuff. And you've heard Venables talk about this, and, and maybe he'll say it, um, in the upcoming interview. But the football stuff's going to take care of itself. It's it's getting the most out of all the other facets of of the of the program that is really going to push them above and beyond. Yeah, I mean. Just just be playing your best ball at the end of the year. We've seen that formula before, right? Just be playing your, your best at the end of the year because whoever you play in the Big 12 championship game, man, that's going to be a dogfight. Whether it's Baylor or Kansas State, I don't think it's going to be Texas, Oklahoma State, whoever. I think like you, um, 
Baylor breaking in a new quarterback, Oklahoma State figuring out some pieces, Kansas State with Taylor Martinez. I think you may be trending in a very nice direction at the end of the year, but whoever you play for the Big 12 Championship is probably going to be the exact same story. Right. Yep. Yes, yes, yes. I I totally agree. Um Man, I it's it's just it's fascinating to think right now that like to me the biggest threat in the conference is is Baylor. And that Baylor they legitimately legitimately um are a scary football team to me. Really scary. They're going to be really good on both lines of scrimmage offensively and defensively. Um, their quarterback is, you know, he's been he's been nails whenever he's been in. I know he's got quite a bit of inexperience, but gosh, good enough to dethrone the guy that that took him a long way last year. Coached really well, developed really well, and the one thing that you can say about Baylor over the last four years or so, they are physical as hell, man. Yeah, and they've had a game plan. I, I feel like, especially last year, where well, okay, we'll we'll be the more physical team against OU. That that that's fine. That that one thing we can accomplish. We will out physical OU in this game. And I'm sure there's Kansas State's thought that Iowa State thought that. I'm sure Oklahoma State thought that last year as well. That's why I think it's super important. You're not going to be in the league very much longer. But to send a message to the league next year, to punch back, you know what I mean? Like, you, you've been taking some punches, you've been taking some haymakers, physicality-wise, from some of these other teams. Punch back next year, man. Punch Baylor back and let them know that however long we play, you're not just going to line up and out-physical us anymore. We're gonna actually right. going to be the more I, – I think mentally that's going to be a huge, huge thing for this team next year is deliver those knockout blows to teams. Yep. I agree. Um, you know, and, and so much of that comes from uh, practice habits, um, the way practice is built, strength and conditioning program, you know, schedule for training camp. I mean, you can't – there's a lot of stuff that you can't do anymore. But I, I, think, I think Brent Venables is going to squeeze every ounce – of of physicality and and just grind practice out of training camp that he can. You can't do the two a day stuff anymore, you know, which is you know whatever. However you feel about that, but I feel like he's going to find a way to make that as much of a grind as possible. <laughs> Someone in the nine one eight says Baylor sucks. Don't hype up the alien. Give him the big head. Well, the alien that you're referring to last year won the Big 12 in a college football playoff game. Uh, yeah, a New Year's Six game. Uh, New, New Year's Six game, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and not only did they beat us, they whipped us and shoved our nose in it. Right, that was To the uh, point where we were whining, not everyone, but there was whining and complaining about a late field goal at the end. Because it was, right. you know, it was rude to do that. That's not OU, man. Right. Yep. That's right. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Perhaps University of Oklahoma head football coach Brent Venables joins us next here from Brown O'Haver.
Sorry for the uh, long intro there, trying to effort head coach Brent Venables. Not looking like we're going to get him today. That's all right. We're going to hopefully get him in the future. So you were wrong. We are not going to have him sometime in the 5 o'clock hour. Huh? Oh, that's funny. But That is great. If you want to hear Brent Venables, well, you can tomorrow night at the Omni in Oklahoma City. Sooner Sports slash Caravan. You can check that out. So how about this? Uh, how about a little bit of a role play, huh? How about the okay. questions that I was going to ask to Brent Venables? You can play the role of Brent Venables and tell us what he would say. It's the next best thing, right? <laughs> okay, sure. Let's uh, do it. This is actually how I was going to introduce it. I was going to say, hey, big night tomorrow night at the caravan in OKC. Da, 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 da. Hey, Coach, uh, Teddy said he'll do a magic show at the event live to help sell the last few remaining tickets. Uh, you down for that? A magic show? Wow. Um, I don't know what he would say about that because magic, not my thing. Not my thing Only at all. The magic I, he could do is make Darren Sproles disappear into the end zone. I think that's what he Oh, said. please. Come on, man. Low blow. Do you have to bring up every single game that we lost whenever I was at OU uh, on a daily basis? Sorry. Okay. R- real question. All right, Coach, okay. you've had a lot of legit linebackers over your years, there's no doubt. What qualities have you seen in Danny Stutzman to make you think that he might be the next great one? Uh, I think he would say that he could run. He is He's a smart kid. Most importantly, he wants to be really good. I think that's that's got to be – everyone says they want to be good, but they don't put in – the actual work required. Um, I I think that he would talk about the fact that he's got the physical traits, not just the not just the ability to run, like like I said, but he's got good length. He's 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 tall kid. I think he's probably six three. Um, you know, two hundred thirty five to two hundred forty pounds. He checks all of the boxes there. Uh, I think. I think, and you've heard me say this before with Stutzman, I think it's just an experience thing. He, he played he played some last year as a freshman, you know, got his feet wet a little bit. That's about what you want. This year he's got a chance to to take that starting spot and and really start to grow as a player, getting a ton of reps, and I think that he could be a totally different player by game eight, nine, ten than he is whenever we see him to start off the year, especially whenever you throw in having to, you know, it's tough to learn your first system, man. It is not, it's like, it's Greek. It is, it doesn't make any sense. It's nothing like you had in high school. So that first system is really hard. And then now having to relearn a new one in year two, it's probably going to set his learning curve back a little bit, but I, I do think that he'll he'll grow into a really good player by the end of this season. Brent, uh, you've added a lot of former players to your coaching staff. Uh, what's what's the payoff that you're you're looking at that? Looking at that. Hmm. Um, I think it's important to surround the program that people that with with people that truly have a vested interest in the program doing well. you know, they have a legacy there. They have a past there. It reflects well on them whenever the program does well, and it means a lot to be a part of it. And it's not 
just someone trying to use it as a stepping stone for something else, you know, wherever that guy may have played or coached or or learned or grew up. It's it's keeping it in the family. What's it like going through a coaching search for a job that you really, 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 really want to get? Um, well, here's the thing that he said about this job. He really wanted it. And what was the clip with, uh, with, Co- uh, with uh, Joe Harris? He said, uh, I was really thinking, what took you guys so long to offer me the job, right? Yeah, right? it was awesome. Um, but, you know, one of the things that he's talked about is he wanted it, but he didn't have to have it. He was – he, he would have been content, you know, no matter what. And I think that's, I think that's healthy. And probably going through the process previously and, and not being able or willing or ready to, to finally pull the trigger and take the step just because everything wasn't right. Like maybe you craved it too much, like you needed it too much for some, you know, personal reason, like to try to prove to yourself that that you could do it instead of stepping back, looking at the total picture and saying, I don't have to have it, but it is the right time. I mean, I, 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 think, I think all of that is critical in not being desperate for something. Coach, last question before we get you out of here. Um, waffle or pancake? <laughs> Some of you will get that joke. Uh, others, I don't know. But yeah, we uh, I'll I'll, uh, I'll, I'll kind of rewind. Like we have Bob Stoops on every single Tuesday at three twenty, and I allow the text line to ask one question to Bob Stoops. A little bit, a bit of an experiment, and the text line wanted to know waffle or pancake. As you could imagine, it did not go uh, over very well, and uh, that was the end of the text line getting to to ask uh, Bob Stoops questions. Just lost Teddy. We'll get him back momentarily from Brown O'Haver and more. Text line says Teddy's answers aren't long enough. I know there's there's no way that we would have been able to get all those questions asked to Brent Venables if we had him on the show today. But I will say uh, I just threw it on Teddy the idea for the segment. I uh, I do appreciate that he uh, he gave his best uh, shot with it. Someone in the nine five one area code. Ha ha ha! I just picked up kids from school. I'm in California and have AirPods in and have been totally ignoring them for the last twenty minutes in hopes of catching the Brit Venables interview. Dad of the year. Ha ha. That's awesome. Back. Yeah. Someone just said they've been uh, having their AirPods in for 20 minutes, ignoring their kids, waiting for the Brent Venables inter- uh, interview. Said he's dad of the year. <laughs> oh, wow. That's great. Someone also well, said your hey, answers aren't long enough to be doing this correctly. I know. I know. That's the, um, that's the real skill work of it there, to be able to – it's really you almost end up answering every single question the same, don't you? Just in yeah. pretty much answer every question every time it's asked, like uh, the whole press conference in one. Yeah, let's get you a few more. Will Jordy uh, will Jordy Ball play ball, or is Gasso going to win the Super Regional without her when it's all said and done? It sounds like they got. Um... It sounds like the news continues to trend positively for Jordy Ball to pitch at some point this offseason. 
I, right. Patty didn't totally shut the door on her pitching this weekend, but I still think it's I, I still think we won't see her until Oklahoma City. I you know what I, I I feel like it totally depends on how Friday's game goes. If because I, I don't think she'll pitch Friday. If she doesn't pitch Friday and I'm right and they have a relatively easy time with UCF, I think that could signal, all right, like she could go in case of an emergency, but let's see if we can, you know, win one of the next two and then we'll get her back in Oklahoma City. If that first game on Friday doesn't go well and they lose to UCF, I think the odds are a lot greater that we could see her on Saturday or Sunday. I think if if she's been throwing and she's pain-free, I think – listen to me telling Patty Gasso what she should do. I hope she's listening but right now. I think she should use Jordy Ball as a – just kind of an opener, throw two, maybe three innings, and then pull her out just to keep – just keep the edge there if she's healthy. But if she's still working through pain, obviously that's off the table. But if she's healthy and able, I think you want to throw her in this super regional. Sure, no doubt. That's best case scenario, man, is you right. win this super regional and you give her an opportunity. And maybe like in a tight – like I feel like if, you, if you're able to get her in a tight situation for like two or three innings, she works her way out of a tough jam. That's best case scenario to me because it's been a long layoff since the last time she's pitched. And the idea right. of getting her back in Oklahoma City is great. I mean, I love it, but I would, I'm with you. I'd like to see her pitch before they play in the most important series of the entire year. Yep. Not necessarily, not necessarily a pitch count type of thing, but get her out there. I don't think you want to bring her in, having not thrown in a while, working off of an injury where – She's in a, a, a big pressure situation. I think you want to start it off 0-0, 0-0, give her the ball, let her go out there, do her thing, and then pull her out before, you know, she starts to feel anything or like you want her, you want her feeling great and mad that she's coming out whenever you pull her out. So you, right? you want her to start. You don't want it to be like major league where Rick Vaughn comes in and it's, oh my God. Oh my God! Is that Major League? Yeah, it's Major League Two, yeah. right? When he's <laughs> right. No, I don't because I think in uh, and she is she pitches like a like a closer, like with with the amount of aggression and attitude that she takes. But I don't think you want her like over adrenaline going in there. Sure. Yeah, you know, I think you want her in her normal routine. And not not coming in there stressing, worrying about is it going to hold up? I really need to fire this one in there. Just let her go do her thing, and I think it's easier to do that by starting a game um, and really starting the series than it is any other time. And maybe that's wrong. Maybe maybe if they win game one, you can do that in game two, and it'd be better then. But I I think if if she's able, pain free, confidence is there wants to, I think you throw her this weekend if you can. Yeah, I'm looking at the Big 12 baseball tournament right now in Arlington. They're through two games. OU is slated to play at 730. 
And as right. long as I've been watching the Big 12 baseball tournament, if you have that 7.30 game, it means you're really going to start at about 9.45 at night on that first day. But they're in the third game and in the bottom of the sixth right now, and it's not even 6 o'clock. Um, I mean, they're still going to have to hustle a little bit, but, man, this may not be the long night that we thought it was going to be for OU baseball. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Of course, I that say that nice. and it gets jinxed, of course. Right. Something's going to happen. It's going to grind to a to a absolute halt later. But um, I'm looking forward to that, man. I am um, – I'm 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 happy with what the baseball team's done, and I'm I'm glad that they're getting some attention. They and can hit, man, man, they can swing it. They, they can hit. Um, you know, Skips Skips got them in a, in a really good spot. I still think that you know, even though they closed out the season, went in their final five Big Twelve uh, series, that they go into the the Big Twelve with a chip on their shoulder and a. a possibility of hosting a regional i heard skip say this morning on the t-row in the morning show that he thinks if they win two or even three games that it he thinks they host a regional wow right and i was kind of surprised by that you know i thought he would hedge and say well you never know and you know, we're just trying to win the tournament. But he said if they win two games, he thinks they'll host a regional. He's got to be Big 12 Coach of the Year, I would think, for where they were picked to start the year to finishing, what, third? He wasn't, according to the coaches. Did, was he not? Wow. Was he? Because um, really? they voted on, like, uh, first team, second team, and honorable mention. And I saw Toby, like, they got kind of stiffed on that deal. Uh, they only had six guys on there, and, and, like, so many teams ahead of them had, like, like twelve, like TCU had twelve, or Oklahoma State had twelve, and and Oklahoma only had six. And Toby's point was like, well, if you only had six, then Skip Johnson should have been the coach of the year. Yeah, so I'm guessing been. that he wasn't. So, all right, uh, quick timeout. We'll come back here at Brown O'Haver and wrap things up next. Stay tuned.